This is the Day Zero Update for April 26th, 2020. I'm Felipe Nelfo. I'm Patrick Nessler. I'm Brandon Parkins. I'm Chris Sologi. I'm Anthony Perez. And I'm Dan Rev Victoria. Yeah. Hey, Anthony's back. Yeah. 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 yeah After a very long break, uh, <laughs> both you guys and gaming, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> yeah, we... Uh... Yeah, it's always good to catch up with the uh, folks we haven't heard from in a good long time. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun there. Uh, but okay. yeah, before we get to that, I want to make one mention. Uh, this will be the last week where we can say that Streets of Rage 4 is not out. Uh, because it's coming out April 30th. So Thursday, you'll be able to get it digitally. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I will not be able to get it until May because physical. Yay. Uh, I suspect uh, I'm... I'm not sure if the physical copy actually ends up coming with the digital one. I think they mentioned something about that, so we'll see. Uh, yeah. If not, then well, I suppose I'm going to have to spend the cash to get the digital version, because I don't think I have the patience to wait an entire month before I can play this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's that. But that's what we'll be playing soon. It's, hmm. it's funny, because as I was writing the review for Final Fantasy VII, I, I, I was thinking in my mind... Tifa, right now, the way she plays, is sort of an awesome Streets of Rage character <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah, He's the most fun character to play. Mm. Say that much. My. Yeah, I mean, she's great. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, well, a good bit of Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, a little later on in the shows. Uh, but before that, uh, what have you been playing? Uh, I'm not sure if uh, you guys are aware, but I've been playing PC Building Simulator a lot. Um, it's, this, yes. it's this new game. Uh, it's been out a year. So I guess it's not new, but they keep updating it and I keep playing it. So there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not going to say too much about that. Uh, just go back and listen to all of the other shows where I talk about it. Uh, it's a great game. And if you haven't tried it out, it's available on pretty much everything. Uh, although if you are going to buy it and you actually want to get the updates in a timely fashion, buy the PC version. Imagine that. PC building simulator is better on a PC. Just, <laughs> yeah. Funny how that works. And uh, apart from that, well, it's been just a whole lot of uh, waiting, um, because Thursday, that's what I'm waiting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so beyond that, I've actually been playing the, the fan game, the Streets of Rage remake fan game. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Um, yeah. It's, Very well traveled, too. <laughs> yeah. And there's a whole t- crap ton of really good mods for it. So, yeah, it's uh, one of those... I kind of understand why Sega might have had a problem with it because it was outshining what they were doing. Uh, so there's, there's that. Uh, but apart from that, uh, yeah, if you can find a copy and it's floating around the internet. So, uh, yeah, if you can find it, um, get it and try it. It's very good. And, uh, that's kind of it for me. So how about you, Pat? I'm back on the NHL 20 video production. Um, I've got two new videos up for um, games 19 and 20 of the second season that um, that I've been managing. And there's definitely more to come. Uh, I'm It feels good to be doing this again. And I really encourage anyone who... Um, anyone who... Um, is passingly curious about what this sort of project can look like to check out um, the game number 20 that I just put up this morning because 
oh my god, I've got them playing some fantastic hockey right now. It's um, this is this is some really rewarding shit, and I'm, you know, I'm completely back into it. Um, in addition to that, I'm still on um, the Samurai Showdown. Um, been getting into some online play, uh, doing pretty well. I think I I think this is a game that I can really um, settle into and um, invest time in because it really exemplifies everything that I love about fighting games. It, it in fact, it really distills it down to maybe its purest form. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm hooked on that. And then I'm still doing my playthrough of Doom. I'm coming up on the end of the Shores of Hell, hmm. and so yeah, I um, I'm actually developing some theories about the development cycle of this game because um, I wasn't really aware of it when it was happening. It just Doom was one of those games to me that um, I was just going through my usual um, practice of fighting games and RPGs, and all of a sudden here's this first person shooter. And I didn't, I don't, I wasn't a PC gamer at the time. I didn't know um, that that it was ever in the works or anything. But um, going through and playing it again today makes me wonder if. Um, it had maybe a bit of a staggered development cycle like they did knee deep in the dead. They developed it. They got it out there as shareware. And then it feels like after that happened, they put um, the shores of hell into development because there's some other stuff going on in terms of gameplay mechanics, in terms of level design that, maybe they just intentionally held back on during episode one's development or they just didn't have time to implement it. But it feels like there was, um, there was definitely some time um, between the two episodes in terms of when they were developed. I'm um, you might be able to answer that, but um, that's just the impression that I get. I could answer that if you want. Sure, because um, there was a there was a little bit of, t- of time between episode one and the other ones that, that came out. Um, mm-hmm. There was also a point where they staffed up. Uh, uh, the original uh, episode, the most of the maps were done by uh, John Romero himself, some mm-hmm. of them by Tom Hall, and uh, about the end of the production of the first episode, uh, Sandy Peterson and American McGee were hired, and uh, the yep. subsequent episodes. Uh, there's a lot more of their stuff in the... Uh, okay. The, yeah, and a lot less mm-hmm. of Romero's. Okay. That's that's how that went down. Okay, yeah, because I noticed that, um, like, from the very beginning of episode two, you got, um, you've got teleporters and things like that that didn't even really make much of an appearance in episode one. Mm-hmm. And they did some pretty interesting shit with it, so... Yeah, um, I, I'm glad that I that my instincts were correct on that. Yep. So that's been my week anyway. All right. Hey. Uh, well, I uh, still have not been able to get my hands on Final Fantasy VII Remake because the local GameStop is 
you know, uh, they haven't reopened just yet, and the only copies they had were the ones that were on pre-order. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call them tomorrow and see, uh, you know, if they actually are going to be reopening and if they're going to be getting any new copies. But until that time, I have been playing Red Dead Redemption 2, um, actually finishing up the story mode, which I never actually did last time around. Um, I've uh, finished uh, Arthur Morgan's part of the story, and I'm now in the epilogue, which is where you're playing uh, John Marston a few years after the end of you know Arthur's story arc, and takes place you know a little bit before the beginning of uh, the first Red Dead Redemption, um, and it's basically telling you what sort of like filling in uh, some holes of like what happened between that time and the time you know the first Red Dan Redemption happens and why he suddenly is uh you know working for this detective and why he somehow went from a completely dumb kid working for Dutch Vanderlyn into a relatively successful farmer by the time the first Red Dead Redemption rolls around. And this tells you how. Uh he was basically Moving with his family from town to town because he could because he basically has a bounty on his head and he couldn't uh, settle down for too long before he ended up getting into his old habits of uh, pulling out a gun and shooting someone. <laughs> um, and uh, here he ends up uh, getting hired on as a ranch hand uh, for this guy named uh, Mister Geddes, and it's. Uh, Basically, it's where he learns all the stuff he does when he finally gets his own farm. He learns how to milk cow. He learns how to clean stables. He learns how to build a fence, uh, all that stuff. And it's all kind of like very down-tuned and stuff at first until a bunch of dudes from like a rival uh, ranch owner uh, decides that he wants to scare Mr. Geddes off of his land so he can get it. And uh, so you end up going to the other dude's ranch and basically shooting the crap out of everybody that's over there. And, you know, it's just a, it's a neat little story arc. Apparently a lot of the other uh, – some of the other – because eventually you're going to end up meeting up with Dutch again in this epilogue. I don't know when it is, but apparently you also meet up with some of the other guys too. Um well, we'll see where that goes when we get there, but for the time being, that's kind of what I've been playing. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I got XCOM Chimera Squad, yeah. which is out now on PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, managed to get it for about eight fifty instead of the the ten dollars sale price because uh, Fanatical had it on sale for a dollar cheaper, and then I had a five percent uh, mm-hmm. code for that. Uh, so far, I've been playing it a couple days in. So far, so not too much in there, but uh, it's definitely XCOM. Mm-hmm. They kind of make it smaller uh, uh, encounters, essentially. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the breach mode is one of the big things where you're setting up for the next encounter. And depending on the the way you're coming in, they'll tell you, like, oh, the first person gets like a guaranteed 100% shot on their first attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe others will have you know hits to it, or uh, you come in a side entrance and anybody's surprised, you get extra damage on that stuff. It's like a lot of different 
things. Sometimes you have to do breach mode, like actual breaching charges uh, into it. Sometimes you decide to avoid that altogether because you typically come in with like, mm-hmm. so far it's been four people for me uh, mm-hmm. per encounter, plus one android. Uh, so I guess if you mess up really bad, one of your people gets taken out uh, and you have to get back them, uh, you can bring in an android to mm-hmm. take that fourth spot. And there's there's all the typical upgrade uh, trees and skill trees and all that kind of stuff you get. Uh, things you have to uh, investigate and all that kind of stuff to build up your skills and all that as you go along. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all set squad, uh, set story stuff. Uh, it takes place after XCOM 2, where you're in City 31, which is kind of uh, a melting pot of cities, I guess. As the humans, aliens, and the, the hybrids. And uh, there's some unrest going on. The mayor uh, gets killed in the opening uh, mission as you're trying to get her out. Uh, that kind of stuff. And you're kind of dealing with the consequences, working with the local PD. Uh, just kind of working this whole big thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works pretty well. Uh, it's definitely a smaller scale thing. Uh, obviously, because it's a $20 game that's on sale right now for 10 bucks, uh, they're definitely highlighting that. Though they are also kind of uh, making it a, a uh, I don't know, more of a personal game, I guess. Because mm-hmm. you're working with a lot smaller squad and smaller areas and all that. So you finish off one area, go to the next, set up your breach mode, uh, stuff for that. Kind of move in. I assume they'll get bigger, but right now they've been three sections right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of kind of what's going on for that. Uh, definitely put some more time into that. Uh, been playing Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Mm-hmm. Uh, bought up a bunch of turnips today. Uh, got the upgrade for Nook's Cranny, uh, which means they sell like one expensive item. Uh, typically, their items are like from. Like five hundred to maybe like five or six thousand bells. Mm-hmm. But yesterday I had this really nice looking, uh, like, uh, like countertop uh, sinking something else maybe on there. It's mm-hmm. like one hundred thirty-four thousand, which is a lot. I was like, I got turnips to buy tomorrow. I'm not buying this, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a bit different uh, now though. I also started seeing other villagers in there, and I'm like, get the hell out of here, you dumbass. Uh, uh, but, yeah, they've uh, they got some neat stuff going on in that, uh, though I've not bought any art yet from Reed or Red. Uh, but, yeah, they're doing their Earth Day stuff right now, which is, means uh, you get an extra Nook Miles Plus goal each day for extra potential for miles. I just built around, like, you know, uh, planting more flowers, trees, or shrubs, or uh, stuff like that uh, than usual. But, yeah, it's been fun so far. And uh, so Just Cause 4 was given away on Epic Game Store last week, I think. So I grabbed that and decided to jump in, see if I could, if there was maybe a reason why that didn't, uh, that kind of bounced off of me last time around when I played it, when it was on Game Pass, I think it was. Because uh, I really like the series, and that one just didn't do it for me. So I've been playing it some more, and still not quite getting there. Uh, yeah, just the the lack of focus on the the cool parts of 
Just Cause, which is blowing stuff up and uh, kind of going into towns with like a, a laundry list of things to do, uh, things to blow up, things to find, that kind of stuff. Um, so far, I'm kind of got back to where I was on Game Pass, so I've still got a little bit of uh, more time to spend in it. But yeah, for now, it's still okay. Uh, at least runs pretty well here on uh, PC. On PC. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to put some more time into that, but uh, that's been pretty much it. How about you, Anthony? Yeah, so, you know, as I kind of mentioned um, earlier, you know, it's uh, I think it might have been pre-show, but it's been, you know, a decade. You know, the past few years have been me getting back into games, slowly but surely. Uh, so obviously I was, I was part of this site uh, for a long time. And then, you know, left around the, the time I was, you know, getting out of college uh, and going into um, trying to find a job. Uh, which was quite a hell of a journey uh, mm-hmm. back then because, you know, it was during the, you know, recession. I mean, the, uh, yeah, the recession, the great recession. So it's about a good year yeah. back then. Yeah, it was like two, I graduated in 09. Uh, so it was still pretty, it was still, we were still pretty hitty, yeah. hit pretty hard. Um, so I didn't really get a full time job until the following summer. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I was just focused on work and, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, when I did play games, it was more so, uh, like I said, uh, you know, playing NBA 2K, things like that, just to distract me, watch, you know, I'll, I'll listen to a podcast while I played that. Um, <clears throat> just because it's one of those games you can kind of multitask. You don't really need to hear the audio for that. So I was, I mean, you know, consuming a lot of podcasts about movies, things like that. Um, and uh, not playing as much. Uh, then around, but I, I, I still kept track, track of a lot of things. So I knew a lot of the games that were coming out. Um, and I was building up this kind of list in my head of things I would like to play eventually one day. Um, and then around, so Black Friday 2017, uh, I just made the, the splurge and, uh, bought a, uh, for, you know, a, an LG OLED TV, uh, and a PS4 Pro. And I was like, all right, I'm back in. Um, and so since then, it's just been catching up on a lot of, on a lot of backlogs. So, you know, things like Last of Us, you know, the entire Uncharted series, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, I just started God of War right before Final Fantasy VII, and then put it down because I was like, I can't, you know, jump into God of War. Uh, I know, you know, Final Fantasy VII is going to consume me, so that one's slightly on the uh, on the back burner. Uh, but just been catching up on a lot of games um, like that, uh, and it's been great. I mean, it's it's weird because I'm playing games now that most people played years ago. So there's not a lot of, you know, discussions, you know, after you finish playing a game, you want to talk about it with somebody, right? Uh, or you want to hear, you know, some kind of commentary. And now is a great time for all that because, you know, obviously we have Smash Pad, but there's tons of, there's, there's way more media online than there was uh, back when, when, when I was with the site. Uh, so you can find all kinds of spoiler podcasts about a lot of games and things like that. Um, so I've luckily had, uh, you know, the opportunity to, 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 if I would finish, for example, Last of Us and then find some spoiler cast and listen to people talk about it or uh, find some, you know, some all this content that's developed about the series over the years. Um, so, you know, watch playthroughs of people and see their reactions to, to moments that would, like shock the hell out of me, um, all that kind of stuff. So it's been a lot of fun just like catching back up with what everyone else has been playing for a long time yeah. um, and uh, and just discovering these games sort of at my own pace. 
that is the the one nice thing is that you know nobody's waiting for my hot take on Uncharted Four because it's old. <laughs> so you know, unlike Final Fantasy Seven, which is a brand new game, so there's more pressure to finish that and you know get the review up and everything because I committed to doing the review. But um, uh, you know, it's it's nice just to kind of consume these games and let them wash over wash over me. Uncharted specifically was inter- interesting just to see you know the progression from game one to game four with no delay in between you know you, you could kind of see how how they improve things over time i mean the leap from one to two is unbelievable because one was a pretty rough game uh given given the kind of conversation around it i thought it would be better than it was <laughs> uh but um but it was fun so and then in terms of like recently uh it's like i said uh and so all the the only games have really played kind of at the time of the launch in the past few years has been Spider-Man, um, Final Fantasy VII, uh, and Dead Stranding. I was just super curious what the hell that game was going to end up being. Um, didn't play a ton of it just because it seemed like a big time suck, sort of like Red Dead 2. Hmm. Um, so, you know, any, any kind of games that seem to have, have like a, that seem to have like a long time commitment to it, I haven't really dove into too strongly. Like my ideal play time now is probably around like, 12 to 20 hours um just with like work and everything like with the weekends are the best time for me to to play so i just you know i like oh yeah i like to like finish something within a couple weekends uh but um uh but yeah and then recently i've been playing red dead 2 uh so obviously from the fantasy 7 um which we'll mm-hmm. talk about a little bit more i know dan rev is going to say a few things and then we'll have a little discussion about it um so you know i've been playing obviously beat that I just started hard mode last night, um, which hard mode intimidates the hell out of me because <laughs> gaming in, in a lot of ways, I, I love games, but I'm not the greatest gamer in the world. So even the last of us took me a long time to finish just because what it's, it scared me just the, the, the anxiety of like zombies and all that is really not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, that's also why it's taken me forever to get Bioshock done. Um, which I know is another really old game. Uh, but, uh, uh, I, I kind of lost track, but you know, playing Red Dead, Final Fantasy VII, uh, just started hard mode. Like I said, did a pretty good job on the first couple on the first couple chapters in hard mode. Didn't die or anything, uh, so I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm getting better at my I'm brushing off my gaming field a little bit. Um, and then, uh, like I said, had started God of War and looking forward to really diving into that. But odds are, I'm probably going to replay. I'm probably going to play Final Fantasy VII in hard mode. Um, first well you got the trophy to get anyway <laughs> i haven't platinumed almost anything spider-man is the only game of platinum mm. um i'm not a big like trophy hunter mm. uh sort of player but um I'm, i might do it no, dan ribs over here having a stroke <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so with that i mean i know we'll talk about final fantasy more in depth in a bit so i'll, I'll pass it over to dan Ribs. well but before that i just wanted yeah. to say um if you're just catching up on like a decade of gaming, I have to make the usual pitch to uh, steer you toward The Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky. Uh, just grab it off of Steam. Um, it, it is a definite rabbit hole kind of series, and uh, I just recommend it to anybody who likes RPGs. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely check. I, I also wanted to check out, I know Dan is going to talk about it, Persona 5. Um, I bought like a discount copy of the original release like a while back started it. Yeah. Um, but it was again, one of those games that I, I knew it was going to be, I just, I was like, man, 
this is like what a hundred hours probably. Yeah, is kind of the the talk about it. So I was like, you know, I still have Uncharted on my list to finish and and all that. I was like, you know, let me get some of these smaller games knocked out first. Yeah, it's part of the Shin Megami Tensei series, which it it doesn't really advertise that anymore, but it still has the characteristics. (laughs) And the other thing I've been doing is going back and just playing old classics. Like I, I replayed. Final Fantasy VII, the original, on PS4 mm-hmm. last year. Um, and uh, just really briefly, it was funny because when I replayed it, I was like, oh, okay. Because, you know, I, I was aware of the remake. And I, I'd been wanting the remake forever. Like, back when PS2 came out, I was like, oh, my God, look at these graphics. Imagine Final Fantasy with this. Because, like I mentioned in the review, I, that was, like, my Star Wars. I love that game. Um, so I always wanted to see it, like a lot of fans, wanted to see it remade with newer graphics. Um, I think it's worked out beautifully that they waited until this point because now PS4, obviously they can render. I think they're, I, I think it looks better than Advent Children just off the regular game engine mm. most of the time. Um, so I think this is the right moment they've waited for to do it. Um, but you know, when I did, when I went back and replayed the game, I was like, yeah, you know, this, I was 12, you know, I was 12, 13 years old when I first played the original. So uh, now playing back as a 32 year old, I was just like, oh, I mean, there are times, I mean, it's still a good overall story. But this part is really kind of confusing. This doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. That plot point is sort of interesting and they didn't really do much with that. Like I noticed a lot of flaws with it um, <clears throat> in my recent replays, which I think made me more open and amenable to changes and expansions in the story because I, you know, it's not the greatest you know, everyone knows the translation is not that great. Uh, but I think overall, it, it could have used a lot of, you know, elbow grease in terms of really turning that into a truly captivating uh, experience. And I think they did, for the 90, 95% of that game, they really nailed it. I, I, I would argue that I like where they're going with it. Obviously, you can't talk about the spoilers. Uh, I, I yeah, but it took me a while to get there because I had to figure out what in the world they were doing. And I, I, I kept going back and forth between I like it, I hate it, I think it's, oh, oh, but this, it's interesting. Oh, but what about, what, but why did they need to do that? And so it was, there's was a lot of torn feelings, you know, around. But, but I think I figured out what they're doing, and I think it's really interesting. All right. So uh, I guess we'll turn over to Dan Reb, uh, for now. Yeah, so um, I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake last week. Um, yes, so I, so I could check if uh, Anthony was in the review or not, and he did a great job. When I was reading the review, you know, he was talking about how behind he is in gaming, but I was like, you're making a lot of connections uh, left and right here, and I don't think you're behind at all. So, you know, the way you've been handling it the, way the past two years, great job to you. It's time to catch up, has time to do it. You know, we have nice. every Uncharted Game for free right now. It's a, it's a crazy time. Um. So yeah, the game I liked a lot. We'll, 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 we'll go into it uh, a little later. Um, Animal Crossing. Um, I love the updates they've made. Uh, they did a lot of Earth Day stuff. Is that uh, Brandon? Okay, I thought that was me. You guys can hear me, right? Oh yeah, we can. Hear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now that uh, FF Seven is over. Um, I looked at doing the platinum, and then I noticed that uh, there's two trophies that I really don't care for. One is uh, scanning every enemy. No, mm. I'm doing that. And then the other one is hard mode. Um, so usually, if if I go for a platinum, I don't like doing anything difficulty related. And um, 
With FF7, it was okay because I considered playing the game in hard mode anyway. But the main thing I don't like about that is the fact that you have to uh, you have to unlock it by beating the game. I, I I don't like beating a game twice unless I absolutely really have to. And with Final Fantasy VII Remake, while you know there are scriptures you can download, I just don't see a reason to go through that experience over again. Um, especially since uh, you know I don't know when we'll get the next one. Who knows? Maybe it'll be another decade or so. But yeah, I, I really don't have the need to beat that one again. Um, that said, I'm playing Persona 5 Royal right now, which I jumped back into because I put on hold when FF7 came out. And um, yeah, this is a game I'm beating again, but this is some, it adds content. There's you know there's 20, 20 uh, new eyes of gameplay to uh, deal with here, and it's just awesome. Um, right now, I'm in the fifth or sixth palace. Uh, it's mm-hmm. with uh, Umura Foods, and yeah. This is the only palace that um, I feel like was not different from the original game at all. Um, but uh, there was a shortcut you could take using the, the the grappling hook. And after I took the shortcut, I was like, you know what? I want to complete the map anyway. So I ended up going back and killing the five enemies I said that I skipped. And, you know, the thing about Persona 5 is that um, while it's still a turn-based system, the battles can go by really quick. All you gotta do is, like, find their weaknesses, and all of a sudden you can use an all-out attack to just kill everybody. So it, it just really makes the game fun. And I started this particular dungeon or palace yesterday at 9 p.m., and um, by the time I got to the end of it, it was 3 a.m., and I was like, oh, yeah, this did not feel like that at all. I remember playing at sunset, and all of a sudden we're at the dead of night here. And then I get to the boss, and I died three times. I was like, I don't remember this being that hard. Is it, is it very <laughs> So I search online, I go on Reddit, and apparently they made Okumura really, really, really cheap. Um, so what happens is he unleashes his employees on you, and you have to actually kill them all at the same time. And while that would seem easy, the problem is uh, they don't allow you to do an all-out attack in this boss fight at all. So you have to find a way to kill them within one turn, and if you don't have the spells to do it, you're, you're pretty much screwed. And this isn't even a grinding thing, like... Um, one of the reasons why I liked the original game so much was there was no grinding, but I guess I guess I gotta find like better personas to use. And I heard that you can use um, the included DLC to make it easier, but I was like, I don't want to have to put a code in to make this game easier. So I looked up other uh, strategies, and one of them says, "Oh, actually, you gotta put the game in its hardest mode. That way, they take more damage from your weakness attacks." And I was like, "Well, that's different." So I'll probably try that out later after a few more tries. But yeah, I've I've gotten to a really frustrating point, which. Kind of sucks because I I also got to a point where I saw a lot of new stuff and the, the game is really picking up now. But yeah, this this boss fight to slog. Um, I'll I'll feel better after I beat it, but right now I'm still mad. So um, how many how many hours are you into it? By the way, sixty five. So as someone who has a copy of Persona Five mm-hmm. but hasn't really jumped into it too deeply, mm-hmm. do you recommend switching to Royale? To Royale, the Royal, only whatever. Is. Why I would hesitate. Is because basic version is like fifteen bucks right now, whereas Royal is sixty. Um, uh, but I'll tell you that Persona Five is probably my favorite RPG of the, of the generation, and I would say jump into the best version of it if you can. But you know what, what you have at fifteen dollars is a good fifteen dollars, so it's really up to you. Hmm, makes sense, yeah. Um, I but it was I, worthwhile I that, from, from what you from what you've experienced the, the additions have been worthwhile totally and honestly I didn't expect it at all because 
when I read about it, all they said was, you know, they added one character and they added one more story arc. And, you know, you wouldn't think adding a story arc is really significant. You would think it's just filler, but it's really not. They, they made everything about the game better. And I was like, wow, this this wasn't supposed to be as good as it is. I already knew the original was good, but this is just it, it feels fresh again. And, you know, like I said, I don't really try to beat a game more than once, especially if it's an if it's a JRPG. And especially since with the original game, um, I clocked in at exactly 100 hours when I rolled credits. So I was like, oh, man, this is totally crazy. And another reason why I decided to just go through with it is it's uh, it's an easy platinum. After I beat this game, it'll it'll be platinum. And I was like, okay, I have time. I'm not doing anything. Why not? And yeah, that's largely been it. Hmm. All right. Um, so we'll jump into the uh, off the top here. We're going to talk about uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, get more in-depth on that. Uh, so I guess I'll just turn it over to Anthony. It's like, where where do you want to start with this? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not... You know, I, I wrote my review. <laughs> so uh, actually, I'm, 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 I'm curious of Dan Reb's take. I'd be more curious to start with him, and then we'll, right. and then I'll, I'll throw out my thoughts. Okay. okay. Yeah, so um, before I start, you know, like you did in your review, I'm going to talk about my Final Fantasy experience. Um, I'm a fan of the series, uh, but I also feel like ever since um, Square merged with Enix, the series has just gone totally haywire. Um, my favorite games Completely in the series off are... off the rails. Yeah. Um, my favorite games in the series are four, six, and nine. Um, seven. Yeah. I recently I, I started replaying nine recently, actually. By the way, yeah, nine's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, actually, if, uh, every Final Fantasy game is, is is on sale right now on PS4. So if anybody wants to look at checking out the older games in the series, by all means, you can even my, play the original seven for a cheaper price. My so, one uh, nitpick is I, I really wish that they released Tactics War of the Lions on oh, PS4. Uh, Yes, because I fucking love Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, uh, and I have I have it on I have like a, a, the Android version downloaded to that BlueStacks app on the Mac that lets me play it and whatnot. It's good. It's yeah. a, it's it's it, I haven't had any issues like with crashing or anything like that. Okay. Uh, but it's you know they have the 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 iPad version and the iPhone version all that. I just don't use like using touch um, and. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I just wish they re- they re-released that one. Yeah. On, on a PS4. What sucks about a, a lot of these updated ports are that they're the ports of the mobile versions, and I'm like, you know, Square actually did a good job with the mobile versions for mobile. But when you're playing the mobile version on a PS4, like you know, it it just doesn't feel right at all. Um, a lot of the text just looks weird because they want to use their their more uniform fonts and whatnot, and this is just just a weird experience. But the one thing I do like about those versions is that they have a fast forward mode. Um, yeah. I know for Final Seven, you can actually just disable the random battles and just go through the story, which is pretty cool. Um, but at the same time, that also takes out some of the challenge. So you know, there's mm-hmm. that. So as I was saying, you know, um, yeah, four, six, and nine are my favorites. Um, I did like ten a lot, but the problem with ten was that I hated basically every character except Warren. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, there's tons of love for ten, and I I kind of get it. I think it's a cool world, but like, mm-hmm. and I actually like the battle system. I love you know, being able to hot, like hot swap characters in and out of the party. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not that great. I mean, the voice acting is so bad. It's just a real struggle to, for me to get into it. And yeah. I, I felt, I got my nephew to, to get, I go, I bought him a copy of 10. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, that's one of the newer ones. And, you know, he had expressed some interest and he started it <laughs> and I had a hard time getting into it. And I sort of, I sort of felt bad. I was like, yeah, this is not great. Yeah, I remember when they released the remastered version. I tried getting back into it, and I forgot that um, 
uh, with the with the random battles and the same song playing over and over, I forgot that the screen breaks and then the the music gets extremely loud. And I'm like, if I keep playing this game, I'm gonna have, have heart problems. So I'll probably stop here. But um, yeah. So that's my background of Final Fantasy. As for Final Fantasy VII, um, the reason why I got into it was um, I, I think Smashpad was still anti-GO back then, but I, I had a review copy of Crisis Core and I wanted mm-hmm. to jump into it knowing exactly what it, what it was about. So I played Final Fantasy VII. I was a freshman in college. And the, the first thing that I noticed was like, man, visually, this game did not age well at all. <laughs> and usually, like, you can get by all that stuff. But with the N64 PlayStation era, you know, a lot of the reason why people can't just, just can't go back to it is because those are just really, really bad to look at. You know, they aren't as timeless as the SNES, NES days and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, I powered through that because visuals aren't that big of a deal to me. But the other problem was that FF7 came out before the DualShock was a thing. So there was no analog control. So mm. I was forced to use their horrible D-pad to go through their environment. And that really made it a flog. But, you know, I give FF7 the credit for putting the series on the map. Um, and, you know, it, to me, it was, um, in my opinion, the first mature-ish RPG. Like, the, that, that was the first RPG I played back then with scoring in it. And I was like, wow, this is what Final Fantasy is doing with the PlayStation stuff like that. And, um... Yeah, so I did enjoy it. I do think it has one of the most convoluted stories in the entire mm-hmm. franchise. And then when I played Crisis Core, it actually made me appreciate the game even more. But it also make me, it made me uh, like Cloud even less. Like in Crisis mm-hmm. Core, Cloud is shit. And then you play FF7, he's supposed to be this badass, but you find out he's really not who he's supposed to be. So um, I was happy to see that the remake fleshed out on it a little more, but I probably would have preferred if it... Um, like with the remake, I think the the whole idea is for you to come in with fresh eyes, assuming that you know nothing about the series. But then if you do that, you know you still have confusion over who who Zach is and things like that because it doesn't really talk about that until the sort of towards the end of the game. And remake doesn't go that far into it yet. Um, yeah, which I don't think it should. I was just saying I don't think it should. I mean, there's everyone. I mean, there's obviously the big spoiler about the game in terms of a certain death. Uh, that most people know about. It's sort of the the Luke, I am your father of games. Like people, most people know it, even if they haven't played it. Um, oh yeah, so, I, I, I'll, I'll still I avoid mentioning. But I've mentioned it in, in, in the podcast in the past. When I played the game to get ready for the Crisis Core review, I didn't know about that spoiler. And I oh, buffed, uh-huh. I buffed the hell out of her, and I was like, oh, she'll come back. She didn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I think there's something interesting in terms of Final Fantasy VII. Out of the PS1 games, for example, let's say, because you're you're right in terms of the series fell off. It's you know fell 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 off the track. Um, you know, pretty much post PS1, and once I got you know Square Enix and everything, and because when I came into Final Fantasy VII, I came into it when it released, maybe a few months later. So it was revolutionary at the time. Like those visuals that were outdated by the time you played it uh, were were astonishing at the time, right? Um, but, you know, in terms of Final Fantasy, they have a lot of, as I mentioned in the review, a lot of interesting core stories, including Seven in a lot of ways. Um, you know, when you really dig into it, some of the dialogue's not that great. Um, and it's, and it's the way it's told is sort of, you know, a bit jilted. I don't even know if jilted is a word, but that's what comes to mind. Um, it's just a weird everything about it is, is a little bit weird. Like you're trying to figure out what's going on with cloud. He's having these weird headaches, which happened now in the remake too. But you know, 
in the middle of playing the original game, you're feeling that too. Like suddenly this, you know, there'll be a loud screech, you know, and, and is like, he's having tinnitus or something and it's, and he'll have a little bit of a headache and you're like, what in the world is going on with this guy? Um, and, uh, I don't think it's explained. And the, and when it's finally revealed, it's revealed in a somewhat convoluted way, um, that if you're not tracking all the other things, specifically like Sephiroth and Genova and, what Sephiroth is and what Genova is and all that stuff. Even, even that's a little confusing. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a very, you know, confusing story in terms of it's a, like, I didn't fully understand Genova and I didn't fully understand Sephiroth until much later in life. I think, you know, watching some, some content a few years ago, um, back when they announced the, the remake, I went back and watched some YouTube videos that really dug into what was going on in the original game. And, but even that stuff, I didn't pick up on fully my first time through. I was just like, Sephiroth looks badass. Uh, he's an, he's definitely the bad guy. And he's a cool looking bad guy. Hence, I'm really into this game. Uh, and it didn't really go much deeper than that. So, I, you know, I'm personally very excited about seeing all that, all those things flushed out because I think for the most part, the things that they did flush out in this game, they flushed out well. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, I still think, Cloud is a difficult character um, to for some people to to really understand, or to, or to especially to understand without getting his full backstory because you're not going to get that in this game. Um, so I'm very curious for people who haven't played it, you know, how they respond to him. Um, though he does grow and change over the course of this, you know, first installment. Um, but I just think you know one of the things that Final Fantasy VII always had that some of the other games in the series, with the exception of Nine, really struggled with is characters. Like, for the most part, though, you re- you still like, it's such a great core cast of characters. Like, Tifa's interesting. Barrett's interesting. You know, uh, Red 13. Um, and once you get into, you know, further into the game, you know, characters like Sid and Vincent. And, I mean, they, 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 you know, they all have their little moments in terms of revealing their backstories and who they are. Mm-hmm. They're just an interesting cast for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, you know, the exception of maybe like a Kate Sith or a Yuffie. Is a little, you know, lightly touched on, um, and, but you know, I think the char- it's such a rich, kind of colorful cast of characters that you don't get, for example, in like Final Fantasy VIII, <laughs> where it's, you know, Squall is just sort of this. Yeah, I don't even know how to just emote out, you know, yeah. uh, dude. And I'm sure there's more depth there that maybe I didn't catch in my first playthrough. Um, but I think the series has always struggled with that. I think the source, this, this, the series has always struggled with making characters that you care about, and you know has really struggled with you then getting into the story. So for Final Fantasy VII, I think you get so caught up in the world and the characters and how they interact that it kind of washes over some of the rougher edges of the of the story itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's what they've accomplished here in the remake. Is I think you they they make the characters really engaging and interesting uh, and fun. Um, even the ones who aren't technically meant to be fun, like, you know, cloud when, uh, <laughs> when the, I mean, it's in the trailers and everything. So the, you know, the cross dressing scene um, where, you know, he finally gets, you know, once he, he meets back up with Tifa as he's dressed like a girl <laughs> and it's like his line of dialogue after she catches it. It's just great. It's hilarious. It's so quick. It's like a nice little joke. And, and you're just like, oh, okay. Like these guys, like 
what I'm most in love with in this game is just how well told uh, the story is and the characters are, because that's one of the biggest weaknesses of Square. Um, so I, I'm just really in love with that. I think the, the music is unbelievable. I didn't really touch on it much in my review, uh, just because I couldn't find a natural place to, to, to just gush about it for a paragraph and a half, because <laughs> it's that good. Um, yeah, and, the, uh, the soundtrack is one thing that I definitely think FF7 deserves all the credit for. It's, in, in my opinion, the best soundtrack in the entire series. And yeah. but the remake just totally flushes it out insanely. Like, the rock remixes, the, the 8-bit remixes. Like, all, all, like I, I actually did want to collect all the CDs. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, and then it sucks because in the CDs, are that, there's jazzy versions, which are cool. Yeah. But I just really want the core soundtracks. I found the playlist. Somebody uploaded the, the whole soundtrack on YouTube. And so I've been listening to a lot of it. It's just so good. There's so many good remixes of like yeah, stuff. Yeah. Tifa's, Tifa's theme in general is just, it has an impact when you hear it. And I don't know what it is exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, I would say it's nostalgia, but I think, you know, a lot of the response to the soundtrack, even from new players has been the same feeling. So it's just something about that, about the music. Um, yeah, that just it, has that, it, that, it's something that uh, similar to what Persona 5 did when I first played the game. Like, you know, as I stated earlier, I, I, I played the game to like 4 a.m. last night. And part of the reason was because as you get towards the final boss, you hear like this one song and the, the song just hypes you up. And it, it, uh, in FF7, there was a similar thing where um, I think it was Malco Reactor 5, uh, that boss fight there where it just mm. brings it back to um, uh, the, the old boss fight song with like a little, a little bit more, more of a hardcore uh, metal feel. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, this, this is so sick. Like, I died once, and I, I didn't even care, because it, it meant I, I got to hear the song again. <laughs> yeah, I was I was shocked by how, So how hard did you find the game? Like, how... Because how, um, I, I found that at times it was pretty challenging. Um, I, I, I definitely did find it on, on the challenging side, which kind of makes me, like, you know, not really want to go too hard also. Um, yeah. But I also felt it was fair. Um, yeah, yeah like, 100%. The game really encourages you to, encourages you to uh, shuffle back and forth between characters, mm-hmm. and that's a really interesting element of the um, active battle system that they wouldn't have done turn-based. And, you know, like, um, uh, a, a lot of us here at Smashpad would have uh, gone the game on day one had they stayed with uh, the original battle system in the first place. But I feel like the the change they made was, like, a necessary um, step forward in order to, like, mm-hmm. have more of a mainstream look to it, which which makes sense because, again, FF7 is Square's baby, and they want to make sure yeah. that they have as many people playing it as possible. Um, but yeah, like I, I did appreciate, um, the fact that every character controlled differently, you know, um, cloud has, has his hack and slash, uh, Barrett just go ahead and, uh, shoots from, from a distance Tifa, who I thought was the most fun, brought sort of a Tekken element to the, mm. to the mix. Like it was great. The uh, one thing that I didn't like at all, um, were the camera angles with, with, with battle. And yeah. I was like, um, did you, did you, the right did you zoom example, out the camera? Did, did, did I, I, I didn't even know settings. you could do like you could do the that. There were, could, times, yeah. uh, there were times where, in order to get a more cinematic feel, especially with boss fights, um, they'd zoom out, but they'd stay at a certain angle. So <clears throat> it kind of made it hard for me to maneuver certain characters. And at the same time, when there were more characters on the screen, you know, you actually shuffle through them by using the right stick, right? Mm-hmm. So by using the right stick to shuffle through, you're also moving the camera back and forth, and that, yeah. that was really annoying. Yeah. So there, there are tons of camera options in the settings, which you really need to to futz with. To get it the way you want it. So, for example, you can you can do that. You can have it zoom out more while you're in battle, mm-hmm. and it doesn't zoom out a ton, but it 
it, it does it enough that the camera isn't quite as chaotic as it is at the in the default setting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole like switching. So apparently there's also a setting where it's like, how do you want to switch between the enemies that you're locked onto when you can choose either the D pad or the right stick. Mm-hmm. And so I recently on this hard mode thing switched it to D pad because I did find myself, you're just so used to now, you know, gaming that the right stick is the camera. Yeah. And so like you were looking to rotate the camera and instead you're changing the enemy that you're locked onto. Exactly. exactly. And it just throws you, it just drives you mad sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I recently tried that on, on the recent, um, uh, on, on hard mode last night. And that's, a that's, I would highly suggest that change if you ever pick it back up again, um, yeah. is to switch this, the enemy locking to the left and right D pad. Um, because that, that, that frees the right, the right stick to be more of the camera looking, because you just want to get a look at the, at the enemy sometimes exactly. and you end up switching. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the cap, the camera's a pain in the ass, but I will say, uh, and I was one of the people, I was a purist, you know, years ago, because I loved, I adored Final Fantasy VII, I wanted them to remake it, I was like, don't give me those bullshit action system that you guys have been trying with all your recent Final Fantasies, because they kind of suck, mm-hmm. you know, they're not very good, none, 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 of the, none of their battle systems <clears throat> since ten have been that great. Yeah, um, although, and, uh, mm-hmm. I, I did think that thirteen had a really, really good battle system, mm-hmm. and the only reason I didn't like thirteen was because the whole thing felt like an on-rails adventure. It felt like a walking simulator, which is weird because, honestly, I don't think FF7 happens without 13 happening either because a lot of 13 does rear its head in 7. It's just that 7 as a whole is a better game. And I was like, yeah. um, they also sort of include some elements from the battle system in 15 there. And 15, the battle system was like complete trash to me because all I did was was spam potions, which yeah. kind of did 7 as well. But um, I don't know. For some reason, I I, I wasn't at an, as annoyed there as I was with sevens. But at the same time, I find sevens better because for its for its value as a as a battle system, it just um, it just made, made I, I think it was the ATB that, that that just made it make more sense. Yeah, it, it adds that bit of strategy that people who wanted the turn based systems have. Yeah, because honestly, this is I feel like a way more strategic you know, game and battle system than the original game. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because I played the original last year. So I just, I literally, you know, just grind it a little bit. And once you grind a little bit in the original Final Fantasy VII, you blow through everybody. Exactly. Like it, it hardly takes any effort to kill anything except, you know, the, the big secret bosses like Diamond Weapon and Ruby Weapon. Those you yeah. can't just grind to death. You need like very specific strategies to beat them. But like, other than that, you can, you can just tear through that game. I tore through that game in my replay. I, I hardly was ever challenged. Um, and so I love, you know, even in this game, even some non-boss enemies have, you know, certain immunities and maybe they're really fast and they could dodge or this or that doesn't work or they have shields or there's other things you have to work around. So there's, there's a, you know, a, a wide range of even regular standard encounters that force you to, to think about how you're going to fight some of the characters, some of the enemies. And I think I think it really keeps you on your toes because I died from some non bosses a couple times, which shocked the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah. Actually, in the end, in the last two chapters, you know, the biggest boss fights, I didn't die once, mm-hmm. but um, but I did die going up the going up the tower, going up the um, the wall, the uh, uh, the pillar in in chapter twelve. Yeah. <laughs> I died on a helicopter, little bastards. Well, like uh, the, the the good thing is like when when you do die, they 
uh, give you the option to start at that battle rather than having to go through certain things again. Yeah. And the one thing I'm, I'm glad for is the fact that you could de- you could definitely skip cutscenes because I remember dying in Final Fantasy X a lot, and I was like, oh god, I have to watch this over and over again. So they <laughs> yeah. did a good job there. Yeah, so, I mean, my, my, I guess my final things. I know no one else has really had a chance to talk for a while. Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm I was hopeful that seven. I would say I think it's better than it ended. I thought it was going to be um, just because I, I didn't have a lot of faith in them, you know, really nailing dialogue and characters and all that stuff. So I think they nailed that. I think the battle system was, you know, also better than expected. And, you know, I've been hoping that because they've resisted remaking this game for a long time, despite knowing that it would make them a shitload of money. Uh, and I think one of the reasons is a little bit of pride on their end. Like they even said it at one point, like we don't want to make, we don't want to remake seven until we've beat, we've made a game better than seven. And I, they failed doing that for a long time. I think they had a lot of hopes for 15 and that also was a bit of a failure. Um, I think it was a fine game. I mean, I, I played, I played a few hours of it, but I just, and I, I thought it was okay, but I, I just could not get into it. Um, uh, the thing with 15 is I, I, I think it was, it was a solid game, but the fact that it's final fantasy, just, you know, it, it just changed the expectation. If that game was not called final fantasy, it, it'd be good in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I was hoping that seven would give them an opportunity to like, look back at the blueprint of one of their best games and maybe discover something about, about it that, you know, kind of made their, the series and the franchise what it was. I'm I'm hopeful that this can carry forward and part two could be really good, but that also it can help make the studio better overall, you know, for all their upcoming games uh, and help and, and help them find their groove back. Uh, and I think that, you know, I think that's possible. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, like J- JRPG is one of uh, Smash Pad's main genres. So, you know, we definitely have our opinions on Square. Um, like for example, uh, we, we, most of us played Octopath Traveler. That was a, a lot of our game of the years back when uh, that game mm. came out. Oh yeah, that's like that, that's like Square's B or C team. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? If, mm. if Octopath Traveler was, was was Final Fantasy 16, I would not be mad because the game pretty much does everything right, with the only exception being the characters don't actually interact with each other until you get to the true final ending, and that's extremely hard to get. But other than that, like that game was fantastic. Um, going back to Seven. Uh, my my closing thoughts with that game is that um, I was I, I was impressed. Um, uh, I, I thought the battle system would be a complete mess. It wasn't. It was actually mm-hmm. really really fun. And the things that I'm most disappointed about with that game are actually with the production values. Like you know, Square is normally the, the, one of the companies that would push the console to its limits. I mean, you you just got your OLED TV. Like I'm I'm sure the game looks great. But when you start to look into the more nitty-gritty details, like if you start to go through uh, walls or walk in um, mm-hmm. Aerith's house, I'm like, wow, a lot of these pots and pans can look a whole lot better than they do. And things like yeah. that. Um, the, the the voice acting was fine, but the the actual acting that you see on screen wasn't matching the the <clears throat> attitude that you you heard from, from the actual uh, voice actors. And that, that affected me. However, I will say that once I got to Red 13, the voice that came out of his mouth was exactly oh. what I expected. And I was like, "This is so good." I can't so wait for more. And I was like, uh, "There's only there's only two more two more hours left." So when the once the second game comes out, um, I'm really excited to uh, get, get get a hand of um, Red Thirteen again. Um, yeah, well, here's the thing about the game too: is you will feel if if you have played the original, you will think you will know you'll think you'll know how much time is left, mm-hmm. and you'll be very wrong because <laughs> yeah. I went into the the Shinra building. That's it's not that big of a spoiler to say, uh, but you know that's that's basically the end of Midgar in the original game. And so I was like, uh, I was like, oh, okay, I'll, you know, I maybe have like three, four hours left. I, I still had another like nine hours left. 
Um, and it, some of it's a little bit of bloat, um, but for the most part, it's it's well done. You don't you don't really feel like it's that bloated. Like there are a couple times, but I didn't feel an overwhelming sense of filler. Like I was also really afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just you know there's a couple there's a couple chapters I felt were a little long. Um, yeah, um, there, there there definitely was that, but yeah. I think part of that also is is the fact that they really had to rely on their expertise and level design in order to make mm-hmm. things flow flow properly. But uh, to me, that was also sort of a detriment because um, with JRPGs, I, I really enjoy just exploring every nook and cranny. And with yeah, um, yeah. with Seven Remake, I don't feel like it really rewarded you for so that. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll find a few Shinra boxes, but that's about it. And the they, the point where you can actually explore most of the world doesn't happen until like eighty percent of the of the way through. And yeah, they that, fully that, that, they fully so block you from exploring. Yeah. Like they they give you that little indicator saying, "Oh, warning! Don't go there." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, let me go there," and then you, you try anyway, and they won't let you. Yeah. Like it's it, it it it's it's a really frustrating thing because, well, first of all, Midgar isn't actually some place you'd want to visit, but man, Square Enix did a fucking crazy ass job making it a place where I actually enjoy being at. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, you know, there there was a there was in one of the I haven't watched all of the all the behind the scenes videos, but they have those behind the scenes videos because like four of them the IGN did or something, and um. Uh, in it, in the first one at least, Katase, who was the original director and is now the producer on this one, he talked about how you know when he thought about redoing the game, he replayed you know the original, and he was like, I, he, he even he, the guy who made the goddamn original game, was like, <laughs> I was shocked how short it was. He was like, my memory was that Medgar was so much bigger, and it was such a bigger part of the game. And it's mm-hmm. like, and if you speed run through it, it's five hours tops. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so even for the director of the original. He was like, oh, I, I thought it was a much bigger part of the game. And for me, too, in my replay, I was also shocked by how quickly you got through Midgar. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I think it makes part sense of the reason, the reason that Midgar, or at least the Midgar part of the game, seems much bigger, mm-hmm. uh, especially when I first played it, was because uh, there was a lot to take in at mm-hmm. once when mm-hmm. you're playing Midgar for the first time. You mm-hmm. know, it's it, it, as far as like actually playing it. Right, it's a few hours at most mm-hmm. if you're just going through it straight through. But there's also a lot to see while you're down there. And I don't know. I think maybe it was just because at the time, you know, because it was such an upscale in graphics for what was available at the time, it it just seems longer than it actually was. Yeah, I and mean, that makes a lot of sense because it, it is dip, it is deep in terms of like world building lore mm-hmm. and in this game they actually got the opportunity to, to really spend some time with that um so yeah it's, it's exactly that it's a it's a dense five hours yeah and it's and it's a and it's a unique setting in a lot of ways just mm-hmm. the, the kind of like the pizza shape and the you know upper plate lower plate slums all that stuff like it it, it just captures your mind probably more than any any other setting in the original game with the exception of like gold saucer or things like that um yeah so it stands out. So when you think back, when your brain accesses Final Fantasy VII, you think about Midgar, even if it's not a big part of the game. I just really wish we got to the experience to really explore it more. I mean, yeah. like you remember the beginning of the game before you got to the to the slums where you yeah. had to just uh, find the find the uh, train station. I was like, oh man, this this is a hell of a city. Yeah, you're giving yeah. me a golden to go through. But I was like, imagine if you really allowed me to you know walk around here and do like GTA kind of uh, side quests. Hundred percent. The other slums. I was like, 
they they, they this, 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 sure it would it would have made the game like a lot longer, but it was definitely uh, a, a pleasure to explore the, the small slums. Imagine if we actually had a city. to I fully ex- expected at least one of the side quests in the slums to like be some sort of Ocean's Eleven mission on the plate, on the top plate, on the upper plate. You know, so that you can get some some more time. Exactly. You know, in that part of Midgar, and it didn't do that, so that was definitely a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. You know, what's really hard here talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake is talking about uh, that thing <laughs> that happens. <laughs> I mean, uh, Which, we've been dancing. Are you talking about the end? Yeah, because or... we've been really dancing around it, you know, because that's kind of what's really made this game sort of, not just because of the name, but because it's really made this game take off because it okay so uh, let me just let, turn it right back around to something that we were actually talking to on talking about on let's weekend um i we were talking about uh star wars very briefly mm-hmm. uh on let's weekend this week and i mentioned how i really hate star wars fans <laughs> because star wars fans are really unhelpfully obsessed with Star yeah. Wars to yeah. the degree that any kind of difference or minor change mm-hmm. sends them into a type of epileptic rage that is beyond all rationality. Yeah. Let's go Final Fantasy fans are kind of the same way. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and Final Fantasy VII Remake specifically makes it a point of itself to sort of like get really meta about the fact that you know there are people who are absolutely so obsessed with Final Fantasy 7 that if anything seems even slightly off they go completely crazy. Yeah. And that's actually like a plot point. Mm-hmm. In a mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 7 remake. I won't obviously we can't go into detail about it right now but yeah. it, it is it, it it's there and yeah. it is amazing mm. how they do it. And it is amazing how many people it's pissed off because of it. Yeah. It's it's so funny though because there are so many. Uh, a lot of it is is also like just where you go. Like if you go on Reddit, you'll you'll find a lot of like, you know, negative sentiment toward it. Yeah. If you go on like, but I've also seen you know like a lot of Twitch playthroughs and stuff like that of other people and who who are big time fans and like a lot of them really like it. Yeah. And, so it's just there's such a mix a mix a mixed bag of I do think it's the more closed minded of the yeah. fans that that are like that believe Final Fantasy VII is perfect, as I kind of mentioned in my in my review at the end. It was like you know if you think it's a perfect game, you know maybe wait for a discount, but keep an yeah. open mind because it's like it, it is exactly like you said. You know I think it's the Star Wars analogy. That's also the reason why I brought up the Star Wars analogy in my review. Um, and I think it's. Because if you if you want to talk Star Wars and we won't because that's probably more Let's Weekend content, but like I've rewatched all the Star Wars too, including like the original trilogy, and the only truly great film, in my opinion, from a film standpoint, is Empire. And I know it's not like a, a mind blowing take or anything like that, but when you watch all the other ones, it's 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 late, somewhat campy fun, um, especially Episode Six. I think Four is is bold. You know, at, you know, in terms of not introducing the protagonist until like the 40 minute mark, you don't meet Luke Skywalker until like the 40 minute mark. Mm. Um, but it's otherwise a by the books sort of 
hero's journey tale in a lot of ways. Like if you really boil it down. Um, so, you know, a lot of people have tons of reverence for star Wars too. And I think, and I have a lot of fun with star Wars. I've played, I've watched so much of star Wars content, all the movies, Knights of the Old Republic, all that stuff. Uh, but it's not always great, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just a fun world. Yeah. Um, and I think Final Fantasy seven is, is the same in a lot of ways. Yeah. For me, I, I think a lot of the hang up that people are having is how they're interpreting that word remake. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I will say, and it's hard to say without without getting into spoilers, but I think you realize at the end of the game, when you really think about it, and you really understand what's what seems to be happening, mm-hmm. that it was purposefully, it, now it makes sense why it was not called Remake Part 1. Mm-hmm. That's all I could say. Yeah. Um, because there are, I mean, the only thing I will say, and if you, you know, want to shield your ears, this is not a big thing. But it's it's the most spoilerific thing I could say without saying anything big, is that by the end of it, I think you realize, or you should realize, or you're, you're meant to figure out eventually, that the Sephiroth in this game is not exactly the Sephiroth of the original. Hmm. He seems to be operating from, with knowledge that he maybe shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. He is on a different and, uh, also. Also, something else I realize now. Um, damn it. Something I realize now. If you go back to the original, like reveal at E3, and listen to that again in the context of after playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, you suddenly realize that they've actually been telegraphing this for a while. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's one other guy, and I know people probably want to move on, but there's uh, there's one guy who's uh, one of the biggest Final Fantasy VII fans. And uh, you know, his name is Maximilian Dude. He's sort of a, tw- a Twitch streamer. No, we know he's a really of, good like, fighting game streamer. Fighting, he's a big fighting game guy. Yeah. Um, but he's a massive Final Fantasy VII fan. Um, and he's done a lot of deep lore stuff on, on Remake and, and has, has helped explain uh, a lot of that stuff. And he pointed out, similar to that trailer thing, he was like back in 2017 or something because there was a couple years where there were no updates about the remake, and then suddenly they came out with like some key art, and that's all it was. It was just one photograph, and it was Cloud with the Buster Sword and the Shinra building in the background and Sephiroth in the background, and apparently uh, Katase, the producer, had said, um, "Oh, we're very excited for fans to look at this key art and to like, and very interested to see how they'll react to uh, to it." And it was it was very vague, you know, like that. And but when you look at it, it was like, okay, there's Sephiroth, there's Cloud, there's the Shinra building. What's the big deal? But there was very something very specific about Sephiroth that I think it was hinting at the entire time, and a lot of people missed. Hmm. So yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so before we move on, I just kind of want to wrap up by saying, like, for me personally, this particular game is not one that I will actually ever play. Uh, just simply because it's not that I have expectations or whatnot. It's physically, I can't play it. Um, so there's that. Uh, but also when I play an RPG, I want to play an RPG. I really don't want action elements in it. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's that to me. Um, it's like, you know, if there's a lot of people that really enjoy it, great. Uh, they're getting, they're getting a really solid game. It's just you know not made for me. That's and that's fine. Uh, there's plenty of great uh, Japanese RPGs that we can all play anyway. So 
it's not uh, diminishing my experience of the original one for this to exist, like a lot of people seem to be completely upset about it for some reason. Yeah. Uh, uh, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm definitely uh, on board as far as technical prowess of this game. It's artistically amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a great game. And It might be... Yeah. What's that? It might be worthwhile. For, it might be worthwhile for you to check out the uh, the cutscenes, though. Like I'm sure there's compilations. I think we've even seen them on YouTube of like all the cutscenes from the game. Uh, just because it expands on a lot. Like if you like the if you did like the original and the story and the characters and all that, I think I think you'll like the portrayals in this. Yeah. And you get most of that in cutscenes. So if you want to see how the game plays out. You could just watch a cutscene compilation without playing it. Yeah. No, I'll just watch a playthrough as well. I mean, because I do like to see what, what the actual mechanics and stuff are like, even if I can't partake of them. So, there's yeah. that. Uh, this will be my final points just for the you know sake of time and, you know, the best, uh, just, just to get the podcast done. But, like, um, you know, uh, especially with FF7 Remake, um, I think uh, it, it goes to show that this is really a golden time for anybody into the JRPG genre right now or anybody that wants to hop in. Because, you know... FF7 Remake is good. Uh, Persona 5 Royal is phenomenal. Uh, we have Trails of Cold Steel 4 coming out at the end of the year. Uh, Trials of Mana just came out a couple days ago, and that's getting good reviews, too. Um, and uh, most people in the world are staying home. So if you want some good games to just hop into, you have games that are uh, nice and chill to sit to. This game isn't one of them. But you also have crazy cinematic experiences that you can really be a part of. This is it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, also, I wanted to just point out um, because it's going to sort of expect like what I want to see in part two. Um, so, do you guys remember who the original writer of Final Fantasy VII is? Is Nojima, right? Yes, it's uh, Kaz- <laughs> Kazushige Nojima. Um, he also wrote this one. Wrote yeah, this one. Uh, he wrote the original with uh, Yoshinori Kitase, who mm. is a uh, you know is a producer on this game, too. He also came back and decided to write Final Fantasy VII Remake. And that actually is very interesting because as you play Final Fantasy VII Remake, you realize he's actually deconstructing his own narrative Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as he goes along. Yeah. And what I'm hoping to do is that by the time we get Part 2, he keeps going in that particular vein of basically deconstructing Final Fantasy 7. And yeah. I hope cuz and here's the thing, it's been kind of a while since I played the original Final Fantasy 7, so I'm kind of hazy on what happens after you leave Midgar. Mm-hmm. Um but mm-hmm. yeah, I still want I still want him to go in this direction. Yeah. yeah. It's it's giving me like it's giving me uh, Yoko Taro vibes, and I and I love that. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of influence of like other remakes of like anime and stuff. Like I'm not exactly sure what it is you reference, but I think I heard someone also make a comparison to I think Evelyn, which I haven't seen either. But apparently, Evangelion, Evangelion, yeah, yeah, which I haven't seen either. But I did hear someone say that that also sort of had like a. Uh, a like random end or something like that and like there was potentially for a movie basically got rebooted or something not long ago and and there was a lot of you know meta stuff too sort of similar yeah well that whole series is on netflix if you want to check that out i I will say the 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 last thing on on that point 
uh shit, it was something you said before the final point um oh nojima uh it's been interesting because i don't like a lot of the additional content they made in the universe the compilation stuff like advent children is sort of a mess even if there's like there's a couple of interesting ideas but the characters suck ass <laughs> but that was also written by nojima <laughs> so i was also very you know worried uh, well, if you look, if you out. look at like his, you know, his uh, work list, I mean, he basically lived and breathed Final Fantasy VII for almost a decade, mm. and there's a point where he's like, I have a feeling maybe the reason he's kind of doing this story wise is because he just kind of got sick of it. Yeah, and he's like, maybe this is just a whole new direction. We can take it. We can sort of have a tabula rasa, and yeah. But at the same time, he's also they've also put so much into what was there before. Yeah, because I guess he also wanted to flesh out some of the stuff he wasn't able to do the first time around. Which, if you think about, that's kind of the purpose of all the other side projects is him trying to uh, add more context to an already fairly complicated story. Um, And yeah, Hmm. yeah. So I guess we'll leave it there and we'll move on to some news for the week. Uh, so we got uh, some freebies. Uh, Last Blade 2 is getting a rollback netcode update. Uh, mm-hmm. Open beta, so you can check it out. Yeah, There's normally some- they do this stuff in-house, but with the pandemic going on, they turned it into an open beta. Uh, the beta code is Stay at Home 2020. So if you've got a Steam copy of Last Blade 2, um, give that a shot. Yep. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Garo and uh, Samurai Showdown Special got uh, got this update as well. Um, yeah, that's, that was a couple months ago. I think we talked about it on the show. Yeah. Um, and I believe they're on sale right now. So at least they are on uh, PS4. Yeah. So um, and that version also has the the net code update. So this is interesting. It looks like SNK is really going back through their catalog and fixing the net code based on popular demand. Yeah. I like seeing this. Yeah. Well, there's people still playing uh, those games. and Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Last Blade 2 is probably one of the finest um, weapons-based fighting games there is. Yeah. Uh, next to the current Samurai Showdown. Worth checking out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we got a couple of other freebies. Uh, Pac-Man CE2, uh, currently available for free until May 10th. Yeah, PS4, Xbox One, and uh, Steam. Steam PC, yeah. No, Switch version. Yeah. Um, is it even out on Switch? That game not yeah. Yeah. either, mind you. What was that, Tyron? I was just saying that game is not chill either. It's really intense. Yeah, it's <laughs> very, very intense. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if you... Um, yeah, it would have been one of, one of those games we could have played on 420, because, uh, yeah, it's pretty trippy in the, the visual department. Look that! <clears throat> yeah, I can see this one getting a VR update. Okay, <laughs> yeah, first person. Yeah. No, not first person, just VR. Yeah. Oh no, I'm just saying, if it wasn't first person VR, it'll be a shitcase. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, it would be unplayable, dangerous. Um, yeah. Next up, Total War: Shogun Two, uh, going to be free on Steam as well. So yeah, definitely worth hand. playing. I've been told that is good strategy. An am- yeah. yeah. Yep, uh, be interesting to check this out since somebody's never played any of these games in this series. Yeah, you like battles or like really massive scale ones? Um, then yeah, this is what. No clue. Yeah. 
I'll have so. to pay for it either way. Yeah, so give it a try. So as someone who doesn't uh, have a lot of background on Steam, because I don't do a lot of PC stuff, uh, almost no PC stuff, uh, how does that work, the keep on Steam thing? Uh, you just add it to your account, and it's, it's as if you purchased it. So even when it goes off, you still have access to it, I yeah, assume? As yeah, long as, you've, yeah. Uh, as long as you've redeemed it during the time frame, you know, it's yours. Hmm. Yeah. So you can do that if you want. Uh, so we'll move on to another interesting story. Uh, we we talked about how completely broken WWE 2K20 was. Uh, this has led to 2K21 being canceled. Um, they're not killing yep. the series. They're just taking a year off. Yeah. Um, or that's and the absolutely excuse nothing that of giving. value was lost. No, really, it it, it hasn't. Uh, no, that the the last one was an absolute travesty. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're going to need a, a developer to uh, basically be stable, uh, get familiar with the engine that they have, or rewrite it from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you're going to have to do that uh, as far as well in a, the time frame of another eighteen months, possibly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they can manage it. I suppose. It's also pretty funny that this announcement came from WWE um, <laughs> because. You know the the video game is 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 actually the, the the least of their problems right now, considering everything that's happened during the pandemic and the XFL, mm-hmm. and the fact that they've lost like a, a, a great amount of their talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, they sign the checks, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, there you go. so, so somebody that, that that's worked on a WWE game before, this is a little surprising, mainly because um, with, with with the deals that WWE makes with with the developers, they actually require that you come out with a game every year. And I don't know if they have very much leeway um, in regards to getting that change. So this is probably something that maybe WWE did propose, and uh, Visual Concepts or you know whoever does a word does it in two K was like, yeah, fuck it, we might as well, right? And a few months ago, they did say that they are working on other kinds of WWE games. We don't know whether they'll be um, wrestling games or, or not, not wrestling games, but but sim games or not. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see. And also, if anybody's been been watching the programming as of late, you know they've they, they've been having their shows in empty arenas, and um, it'll be interesting to see if the game sort of capitalizes it on on that somehow. But um, yeah, weird times. But honestly, ever since they've re- they've released the game last year, um, it's really damaged the IP. Like, if I were two K, I'd consider just you know making something new entirely and rolling with that every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it could also be that WWE has finally realized that forcing developers to do a, a yearly update is probably not a very sound thing. So, I don't know. Yeah, especially when you're in the middle of a developer change. Yeah. So, hey, oh, you've got six months to get this done. And it's like, oh, crap. Um, yeah. So that didn't work out so well for them uh, this year. So, you know, hopefully 2022, whenever that comes out, might end up being better. and We'll see. If WWE is even still around back in 2022, yeah. And then the rumors about AEW um, getting AKI to work on their game is that they're they're getting strong too. So yeah, interesting mm. times for wrestling. <laughs> oh my god, AKI Aki doing uh, another wrestling game, a modern wrestling game. Yeah, take my money. Just yes, please. Yeah, <laughs> please. Uh, at least they know how to not overcomplicate things, which is something that Visual Concepts and well. The other developer that they had on has uh, not had the greatest track records with. And let's be honest, AEW is eating WWE's lunch right now. Yeah, like it, it is not even funny. It's, I mean, it's actually interesting. They're so much better in just every way possible. It's 
it's painful. (laughs) It's like watching what WCW turned into in like the last three years of its existence. Mm, That's shockingly accurate. Mm. All right, next up, uh, we got an update for Final Fantasy XII on the PS4. And uh, yeah, PS4 and PC, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it says this bringing over the uh, Switch features. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the versions they added it's to funny, the I was, ones. Hmm. I, I was thinking about going back to that because I played probably only 15 hours of, of it originally. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I always liked the writer, though. So he was a tactics writer. The world always seemed interesting, but I never finished it. Hmm. Yeah, Evil East yeah. is actually a really uh, pretty, as far as Final Fantasy VII settings go, actually really good. So, yeah, and they did some really interesting stuff with it in fourteen. Yeah, uh, with the storm yeah, I've been, series. I've been waiting for the. I guess they're going to do a, some release, some update soon, where it's going to, um, where they're going to streamline the base game. Uh, yeah, it's going to, um, yeah. it's going to be in the next, um, it's going to be in the next patch. Yeah, because I, I have also heard really great stuff about 14, but just haven't. Because oh. I heard the base game just takes forever. And is well, it's on, not the it's on sale now. <laughs> so I did talking about that. that. It was in it. my cart. It was in my cart. Um, do it. But I didn't do it. Do it. Do it. So so what are the features that uh, have, have made their way over to the PS4 and PC versions? Uh, you'll be able to reset your licenses so that you know if you make uh, poor choices. Mm. Uh, you can kind of back out of that stuff. Uh, it says here, simply head over to Rebinestra, where you start the game, uh, visit Mont Blanc, uh, the leader of Clan Centuro, and he will uh, let you change your licenses, learn to respect characters, and try out new combinations. Mm. Uh, so you don't just have to uh, take chances or just do a lot of research ahead of time, like, okay, what's what are the classes that I'm going to be best at with this character, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like looking up that kind of stuff, uh, as well as they are going to have three sets of gambits now. Uh, allow you to uh, set uh, very precise behaviors for your team in battle. Uh, that kind of stuff. That's what the gambits normally did, and this kind of gets you more setups so that you can uh, allow to cover more scenarios, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, rather than just limiting yourselves, not constantly manage them, depending on. The areas you're in, whatever sort of enemies you're going to face, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, always good to have. And uh, along with that, they are adding a new soundtrack oh. to the game. Uh, so the ones that were in the Zodiac Age was a fully reorchestrated soundtrack, as well as the original uh, from the PS2 version. Okay. And so they're adding sort of a an update, an upgraded version of the original OES, OST. Uh, so it's uh, close to the original PS2 version, but with higher quality samples, different instrumentation in some cases. So, uh, you know, it's going to add some nice new stuff. Uh, it's actually really surprising it took this long for, you know, I, w- I would assume the highest selling versions of the game to get features that the Switch and Xbox One would have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This has been their MO with these uh, games for... Uh, the last couple of years, so when they brought Why you give Switch and Xbox One more features, that makes no sense. <laughs> That's what everybody else is wondering. Yeah, because uh, uh, 
Final Fantasy VII and IX, I think, had issues with uh, music and some other stuff, like bugs. Hmm. And Square Enix, you know, had no response to any of that stuff. And the like, they fixed them on PC, uh, and then they switch and PS, uh, Xbox One versions came out, and those are also fixed. And people are like, okay, why are you leaving these? Uh, the original PS4 versions of these uh, with these bugs in them. Hmm. And just some random day comes along and they're fixed. Random <laughs> update comes out that fixes them. It's like, you know, you guys have these uh, community people. Uh, <laughs> you have to talk to your community and say, like, hey, we're actually working on this. Hmm. Uh, and so just going completely dark and being like, oh, hey, you know what? Uh, screw you guys. We're not talking to you anymore. Hmm. People just like, have to hound them. And it's like, you know, you guys can make yourself, your lives a lot easier if you actually talk to your community about the issues they have. Tell them, like, we hear you. We're working on this. Hmm. So just like, eh, we'll fix this four years in the future when you probably stop caring, but then you hear these new versions coming out on the other consoles, and they fixed it. Yeah. Like, all right, the original version released, uh, it's the worst version now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where probably the majority of your audience is. Hmm. So, yeah. That's why people don't trust uh, Square on a lot of this stuff anymore. Yeah. And that's why people are just like, ah, that Dragon Quest, uh, the new features they added for 11 on Switch, uh, PC and PS4, people would love to get that. Yeah. And they'll, they'll come over eventually. It's just, they won't. Or they won't. <laughs> or they won't. Yeah, because people are like, oh, well, Nintendo published that version, so who yeah. knows? Square's not going to say what uh, is uh, likely permanent exclusive and what's not. Yeah. You just so, you know. know. They did call it Definitive Edition, so, you know, there's that. Yeah. Anyways. So one team that doesn't have pro- communications problems is the Final Fantasy fourteen team. Uh, yeah, they're uh, doing no. patch 5.3, and there's some big overhauls coming. Yep. It, uh, it's going to be taking a, a whacking to the uh, a Realm Reborn campaign, kind of make it uh, a bit easier to get through that stuff. Uh, it'll be shorter, uh, and they're going to uh, increase the experience points gained through these quests so that you'll be able to reach the the level cap of 50 for that base game uh, by the end of it and be prepared for the, the first expansion pack. Uh, heaven's for it when you're ready for that. Hmm. No, so just, this it, directly taps into a question I had last night. Because like okay. I said, I had, the, I had this game in my cart because I saw the sale. Mm-hmm. But I was, but I've heard a lot about this base campaign thing, and then that it's you know to wait. I've I've been advised to wait for it, the overhaul. It's so a proper it, Final Fantasy. Um, it, you know, imagine the time you put into a regular numbered Final Fantasy game, and that's what fourteen offers you. Hmm. I'm just saying, should I purchase and then wait for update five point three to actually launch it and start it, but just take advantage of the sale? Yes. Like, yeah. What do you guys think? I, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the the update is it's just around the corner, so you're not going to be waiting long. And, and the version that's in um, the version that's in the sale is fucking loaded. It's um, the base game plus all three expansions. Yeah. And that is a hell of a lot of Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. And so they also say, well, they say about thirteen percent of the main quests from A Realm Reborn has been either cut or truncated. Uh, so that's is, at least they're not going to lose a ton of content doing that. No. Yeah, because like a lot of that early stuff is just fetch quest stuff. Yeah, hey, go out here, kill five of these, 
enemies bring me this item back that you'll get by one of them. That kind of stuff. It's a lot of very basic MMO stuff that they won't release too much out of it. If they can really trim uh, 1 to 15 down, um, that'll probably help mightily. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think once you hit level 15, everything moves at a pretty good clip. Yeah. And you start. And you're actually playing the game. Uh, they also say that flying mounts will be able to take to the skies in zones from a realm, a realm reborn. That's interesting because they really weren't designed for it. And yeah, yeah, I. Uh, um, so it says you have to finish the main quest, the ultimate weapon, uh, to be able that, to. Do that, that must have been very difficult. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, so you also you will not need to collect aether currents to begin flying in these zones, unlike the expansions. Well, yeah, because it would take a. It would take even more doing to find places to stick all those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's one big change story-wise, uh, though it doesn't necessarily alter what's already in the core narrative. Players will be required to complete the 24-player Alliance Raid series of the Crystal Tower. Good. Or progress past the base game where patch 5.3 comes. Good. Um, considering that, that that Raid series is absolutely critical to the Shadowbringer storyline. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, uh, some of the stuff that I was playing for that 5.3 update. And it's going to at least cut down on the issues people have been having like uh, about the slow start. Yeah. yeah. So, there. Uh, next up, Super Mario Maker so Chris, 2. are you going to start a new character or just run with it? Hmm. Uh, I don't have time, time for much of anything these days right now. Oh. Uh I'll see how it goes yeah. whenever I get a chance to jump right. back in. Mm-hmm. So. As I was saying, Super Mario Maker 2 got its last update. Um, this one brings many mm-hmm. games to the table. Many yeah, games brings, and uh, a world editor, which I'm yeah. very intrigued this by. Is, this is not an update to sneeze at. This is a hell of an update here. And yeah. it, it just goes to show that, in my opinion, or in many opinions, Nintendo just really dropped the ball with this one. I mean, uh, the last update, I think it was like a, like a month or a few weeks ago, was also pretty sizable, but aside from that, these were the only two updates. And honestly, a whole lot of this shit could have just been broken apart and released every month for people to get, get excited about. Because yeah. uh, Mario Maker is easily uh, one of Nintendo's most streamable games, and it, and that's why it was a huge success on the Wii U. And the Switch was supposed to be a whole lot more than that, and it is. But everyone stopped playing it because they were there were there wasn't that much support. Now we're yeah. getting it, and it's like, is it too is it too little too late? I don't know. I, I just know that these updates are great, but I don't think it's enough to make people care. Yeah, it's just a sign of how bad they are at their community stuff here. Uh, just splitting this, like most of the updates for this have been, you know, months apart to make them bigger. But I think people would appreciate it, cutting them up a little bit for you know monthly updates, something like that, and having your your final updates you know less than a year after the game launched just kind of shows that they're you know they didn't have much in mind for what to do to make this game uh worthy of a sequel or they just they don't really have much faith in it for the future Hmm. i don't they they push the community off of it because there's the original game there's no there's a site that you could manage your uh courses from find new stuff to recommend people could easily send links to this stuff uh, now you have to go through just codes. Hope you can find the right people that either have YouTube channels or Twitch streams with this stuff in it, or they uh, a random Twitter thread or whatever of uh, links to this stuff, and mm. 
it's a it's a much worse way to go through this stuff. Yeah, uh, pretty much anything just, Nintendo does as far as online stuff has been a little on the lackluster side. Yeah, mm. yeah. This, this update seems cool. Like uh, you can tie up eight worlds uh, together into a world map uh, with up to forty courses. Uh, and sort of make essentially like a a fully fledged game. Yeah. Of weirdness, which is yeah. whatever kind of weirdness you're into making, hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Um, they're adding the Koopalings as bosses, hmm. uh, uh, as well as Fanto and the wind-up Mega Koopas. So they're adding a good bit of stuff here and a lot of new power-ups and such uh, into the like game. They're leaving it with you know in a in a pretty decent state. It's yeah. not as feature complete as you could want. But... Yeah. It just it feels like they just weren't weren't as in tune with the community what they wanted, <laughs> which is more bite sized drops of here's a couple new things here this month, here's this new mode next month that kind of thing. Yeah, just going yeah. completely silent like, for long stretches is not okay. not great for a game that's built around the community itself. <laughs> it's weird because like you, you compare it with Animal Crossing, which has been getting amazing updates, but rather, rather small, like every week. Like I think yeah. until yeah. now we've seen like seven updates. The game came out like six weeks ago. Yeah. Just got another update. But, yeah. Uh... It's, it's crazy. It's all been great. Like I'm, I'm wondering if they're, they're, they're just sharing stats because Mario Maker two should be a game that everyone works on as much as possible. It, it, it could be as big as Fortnite, but it's not because there's no one working on it. So, I don't know. They even have their mobile teams that are doing their mobile games, and I see good updates on those every once in a while, but I don't know what kind of DAU they see. Hmm. So, I mean, as, as someone that works on the live ops game in the, in, in the, mobile, uh, in the mobile space, like, you know, we, we make a killing because we update the game, like, 24-7. Um, and, you know, uh, Nintendo can easily make this amount of money just by, you know, just doing really small things, and honestly, they, they make so much money selling us the same shit, like, every generation, I'm surprised they don't just continue to update their games. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. It's just really I mean, like, I, I know we're at, we're at a time where, you know, you can pretty much play wherever you want because there is time, because no, one, no one's going to go out or go to work or shit like that, and mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, it's, it's just weird. Like, normally, the, the, this, this would be the perfect time to release it, and it, it probably is. I just, I, I, like I said, I don't see the needle moving here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that really makes sense with this, if it's tied into the uh, the rumors that they're going to be releasing a bunch of the older Mario games on Switch, where it's like they maybe don't want to have this game, I don't know, stealing thunder from that, but those are supposed <laughs> to be all like the 3D games. Yeah, it's weird. So it's like that's like, a style uh, they're not doing here, really. They, they are expected to have their shareholder conference soon, which normally shows the, the sales for their games, but at the last one, um, I think the the... The port for Mario Brothers uh, Deluxe, the one that came out on Wii U at launch, um, yeah. sold just as, as Mario Maker Two, and that's like I, it's not really concerning because it, it, it sold a whole lot. But Mario Maker Two should outsell the shit out of that game. But. Yeah, yeah, where you can make new levels with the old assets, exactly. uh, that kind of stuff is. I think people have wanted. It did really well on the Wii U, <clears throat> and here it did better, but not. To the degree that, much like, like their other games have when they've brought them over, made sequels to them, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really a shame too because the single-player component of Mario Maker Two, in my opinion, is like the best side-scrolling Mario in a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. All right. So uh, as I was mentioning, Mar- Animal Crossing got uh, another update. Um, two new merchants have shown up. 
Yep, they added Leaf, who sells uh, a lot of foliage stuff, shrubs, uh, seeds for flowers, uh, and some other stuff like that. Since part of the uh, what they call Nature Day event, yep. uh, where you get uh, special Nook Miles challenges tied to this stuff. Uh, and the other one is Red, who sells artwork. Mm. Uh, but there are, I forget how many of his are fake. There are some that are fake, some that are real. You have to like figure out before you purchase it. Uh, or you can just buy them either way. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, if you don't uh, that, like, um, he's, he's been around since the GameCube version. And, um, the, the way to really handle this is that a, a lot of the art is based on real art. So all you really need to need to do is like Google the art and you'll find out what's really mistake. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really funny. Cause like, um, on, on, on the backside, like animal crossing is like probably the most political game we have. Like we have all these like, um, fees and whatnot that, uh, Tom Nook makes you do. It's like, it's really teaching children how to, how to manage their money because everything in this, in this game costs soft currency. Well, and, and they like, just, wow. in the, this most recent update, uh, they lowered the interest rates for the exactly. money you <laughs> store in the bank. <laughs> And uh, gave so you a, a rug. Teaches kids. Gave you a money bag rug. Uh, mm. uh, as a, it's like, oh, we cut your interest rates, but here's a here's a rug for you. That'll make up for it. Yeah, I guess. And people the, the, been... the funny thing is, like the, the online interaction, as far as I've seen, it's 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 people laughing at it. They aren't even really mad. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how it is in your life. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And so, uh, the real treasure you get, you can donate to the museum. Mm. Uh, for Blather, so there'll be a new wing for that stuff, uh, which I'm sure is probably going to be really good because the the base uh, versions of the uh, museum are really well done. Mm. Uh, but the, they're going to be setting up for some more uh, events coming up here, May Day Tour, mm. uh, which is starts on the 1st through the 7th. Yeah. Uh, you get a May Day ticket at the island airport to head out to uh, a special island uh, for a mystery island tour, and I guess a special visitor uh, who looks familiar might also be there, which I think people are saying might be Rossetti. Hmm. Uh, I don't know, because yeah. he's essentially out of a business hmm. at this point because he doesn't really fit the current game all that well. Yeah. Um, there's also going to be International Museum Day, uh, the 18th, May 18th to the 31st. Players take part in a stamp rally. Receive a special stamp card. You can enjoy viewing fish, insect, and fossils while collecting stamps at the various exhibits to earn an in-game reward. Mm. Uh, and then June 1st to the 30th is wedding season. I guess take this must be taking advantage of the people that are uh, wanting to get married, uh, but obviously <laughs> can't because of uh, coronavirus limiting what sort of receptions they can have and, and doing that in the game. Yeah. Uh, so they say uh, during a nuptial theme June, Players can visit Harvey's Island to meet with the married uh, meet the married couple Reese and Cyrus, as well as help arrange and take anniversary photos with them in the wedding in the wedding picture studio. Uh, you get wedding themed items as a token of their gratitude. Uh, so yeah, Reese and Cyrus are llamas that were in at least the last game. I forget how many they've been in, but uh, they were what fashion people. Mm. Um, I think they they just really customized stuff. Yeah, customized stuff, which is kind of just done in uh, the Able Sisters shop now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it seems like a way of getting wedding-themed items out to people that want to use them for, for these sort of events. Mm-hmm. They'll make them wait another month to get them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so Animal Crossing continues to be updated. Uh, well, it's it's new, so and people are still playing it. Yeah. Um, One yeah. thing I do want to point out that we didn't put in our in our agenda here is that um, as of Monday, Animal Crossing is now in Nintendo's um, third highest selling launch ever, only behind Super Smash Bros. Brawl and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. That's <laughs> a good god. At uh, it, it it puts Animal Crossing in, in Nintendo's A tier of sales franchises, mm-hmm. and it, I'm, it also means they've outsold Pokemon, Mario, and Zelda in their first weeks. Yep. So <laughs> yeah, this is and not anything. Let's be honest; it is 100 percent because of the timing. Yeah. <laughs> that and the the delays have caused increased interest in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and a little bit of bad news for Nintendo. Um, yeah. About 160,000 uh, Nintendo Network ID accounts were breached. Um, Mine was one of uh, yeah. uh, on, on on Thursday. I got an email saying my account was um, accessed in Russia, and I was like, I know like two Russians in personal life, so um, nope. Luckily, <laughs> nothing's been stolen. But yeah, I did have to change my password, and I am going through a, a different verification. But um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's weird. Now, did, yeah. did you use uh, same, same password for a lot of sites, or uh, it's not really that? I, I'm 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 just one of the guys that um uh, links it through uh, you know whatever the the Wii U 3DS or whatever. When I when I when I log in, I log into Facebook. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but hmm. yeah, yeah. This I wouldn't was be surprised. The, as the account system they set up for the Wii U, they got tied back into the 3DS, and then of course when the Switch came out, they had a new system for that hmm. stuff. You would still tie that stuff to it, but uh, it's sort of the the issue of them just constantly changing their account systems over the years. Yeah. Uh, with each new platform, the Wii had a different one than the the Wii U, and the 3DS just kind of uh, stuck the around there yeah. with uh, getting updated with the Wii U stuff, uh, so that you could use credit between them. Mm-hmm. Then the Switch is using something different, and it's like you guys got to pick one and stay with it. Mm-hmm. Because it just adds extra weak points to it. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, this will, uh, you know, induce them to at least standardize that stuff. Make it. You know, yeah. Because, well, to be fair, 160,000 uh, compared to the kind of stuff that we're used to hearing about is not that PS3. High. Yeah. yeah. Eleven. But yeah, the, <laughs> these are a lot of probably we users uh, who tied their accounts that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot more likely to be kids. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it says the the data they got was nickname, date of birth, email, which is not that bad, but also it's just more data for people to tie into other accounts. Yeah. Uh, you know, they could probably figure out from that email, like, oh, maybe this password uh, they have here works on their Netflix account or on their you know email account, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Credential stuffing to other sites yeah. to see what works. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Credit card information was not part of it. No, uh, but some did were, were able to get uh, into those accounts uh, because they didn't use a good password for that stuff. Yeah, uh, obviously they'll be able to get into it. Uh, but yeah, this don't think there's been anything else accessed through it. But uh, you get email if you had uh, an issue for this, and I assume they'll figure out some sort of uh, make good on this. Yeah, probably. So, all right, and we'll wrap up today with uh, a little, some picks from the uh, PS4 Big in Japan sale because it's going on right now. It's definitely a 
massive sale too. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some good shit there. Yeah, stuff that's popular in Japan or developed by Japanese developers. Um, so you got a lot of stuff in there. I'm going to highlight Devil May Cry Five because uh, we didn't really talk too much about that game last year, uh, but as it turns out, it's really good. Hmm. So you know, if you're a fan of uh, DMC games, you didn't really care too much for four or the DMC reboot. Um, give five a try because it's actually good. Cool. What if you never really played the series? If you've never really played the series, if you've played like um, the original God of War with the, the at least the action focused ones, um, hmm. it's kind of similar to that. Uh, very uh, combo heavy, very you know strategic and fast. Uh, kind of have to do a lot of thinking on your feet. Uh, so if you kind of like rewards that, you for playing in efficient ways. Yep. Yeah, it's very much a very a skill based game. So, yeah. If so. getting graded by your performance is any kind of addiction for you, then this will feed that. Mm-hmm. Will you be lost narratively, or is it a game that like the story doesn't really doesn't matter? Well, <laughs> it honestly, doesn't. Yeah, yeah this, 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 this is like a modern day two D fighter, not a fighter, but and beat him up. Yeah. So. Um. Let's see what else they've also got. Uh, I know they got all of the, uh, they've got Trails of Cold Steel, I think, 1 and 2. Yep. Yeah. And uh, in a separate sale, Cold Steel 3 Digital Deluxe is on sale for less than the cost of the standard edition. Yeah. Uh, I will say, um, if you have not played a Trails game yet, you can safely play one Cold Steel 1 and 2, um, because a lot of the sort of ancillary stuff that's related to the other games is kind of kept to a minimum for those first two. Three, however, is when... That's it when really, it all comes together. Yeah, is when it starts actually, like, bringing in characters from, like, Trails of in the Sky and Trails of Azure. So, uh, I would, if you haven't played that, you know, go ahead and play one in Cold Steel 1 and 2. You can safely do that with no problems. And then after that, if you're wanting to, go ahead and play Trails of the Sky. <laughs> um, first, because you should. And yeah. second, because it'll make some more stuff in the later game make sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. is, is there like a one-minute pitch for the Trails series? Like what to expect? Every uh, character uh, every uh, character in the game, no matter how minor, has their own story arc. And I would say um, the best sales pitch for the Trail series is that it's what can happen when an RPG series actually lets its sequels be sequels mm-hmm. and builds upon a single storyline rather than having it set in a completely new world with a completely new cast. And, you know, if you invest in Trails in the Sky, you're going to get payoffs eight, nine, ten games down the road. Arguably the best uh, world building in gaming in much yes. of modern JRPGs. Mm-hmm. It's definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. you so just have a... a lot of game to go through if you want to catch up at this point. Yeah. So there is a chronology, though. Because oh, yes, yeah. we're like trails in the, in the sky. You're saying is that is that predate Cold Steel? Uh, uh, yes. Yes, it does. Um, it's Trails in the Sky 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trails to Zero and Trails of Azure, which are a separate story arc that hasn't been released here yet, but I'm pretty sure that will be resolved shortly. And then you've got Trails of Cold Steel 1, 2, 3, and 4. 
And then after that, you've got the upcoming uh, Trails to the Beginning or Hajimari no Kisaki. Mm. So, got it. so each each of those four separate subseries, Anthony, um, take place on their own continent, but at the end of the day, they're all combined. So think of the MCU in RPG form. Mm. And each game is uh, around how long? Forty plus <laughs> hours. Okay. Was there, I mean, there is, are, it, is it the forty-hour variety or is it the hundred-hour persona variety? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it depends on what yes. you want from it. Yeah. It's Got in the it, middle. If, if you plow through them, you can easily finish them in forty. If you talk to everybody, sixty, eighty. And you'll want to talk to everyone because, like I said, everybody's got their own little story arc. Yeah. And as far as like the trails, ga- the Cold Steel games go, there's like a sort of if much like with the Persona series, you're kind of dividing your time between both like school life and, uh, you know, out life out in the field. So yeah, because it takes place at a military academy. Mm-hmm. And yes, there, there is there is a side quest to save the cat, and yes, you will fight God later. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yeah. JRPG. It, it checks all the marks for what a good good JRPG does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah like to, to to go ahead and talk about you know the world building and whatnot. Um, and just to get an idea of like how much care the devs and writers put into it, each NPC has their own name, and each NPC ta- has says different things when you talk to them three times. Mm. Jesus, a yeah. lot of effort in there. Also, there's a, like a lot of pol- of uh, political intrigue as well. Ooh. Like that's probably one of the big selling Ooh. points of uh, the Trail series because basically there's like three uh, big con- well. Three, there's more like four, but I'll put it. There's three big countries in on the continent that this game that the Trail series takes place in. Uh, the trails of in the Sky series all take place in Laboral, and Laboral is kind of like a uh, sort of a Western European sort of Norwegian style constitutional monarchy. Um, next to it, uh, just almost across the border. Is uh, Erebonian Empire the Erebonian Empire? And as the uh, name implies, it's an empire. It's like an old school, like Austro, like old school, like uh, Prussian style autocratic monarchy empire with an emperor and like an aristocracy and like a stratified class system and all of that. Um, and then there is the uh, the Republic. Um, which Halvard. Yeah, the Republic of Halvard, which is very more like inspired by like Far Eastern. Like it's very uh, it's heavily inspired by like Japan and Taiwan. And it's funny enough, it's the only uh, country in the game that we have not had an entry in the series take place in yet. Hmm. Um, which is weird. And I actually think when they start up the next story arc, uh, that's probably where it's going to end up taking place in. Um, they got to do something with it. Yeah, you do get like sort of bits and pieces of what like uh, Republic of How of Halvard life is because you know there are parts of uh, various cities that have like little areas like a little Chinatown or a little Tokyo that is basically like where Halvard immigrants sort of make their lives in, um, but you never actually like go there. And then the other major. Uh, territory that you end up seeing in the uh, Trail series is actually a sort of like major city uh, that is called Crossbell. Crossbell. Yeah. 
And it's actually like the most modern, technologically advanced city in the whole sort of area. And Trails uh, of Zero and Trails of Azure both take place in there. But what happens is, uh, and it's not really a spoiler, but um, towards the end of Cold Steel 2, it actually gets annexed by, by the Arabonian Empire. So in Trail, so in Cold Steel Three, there's like a whole story arc about that, and that is your one minute elevator pitch on, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. took ten minutes. No, it was, yeah, uh, Fryer yeah. wrote a good um, article about how you can get into it. I'll, I'll, I'll link you to it later. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, the, the, the political thing is interesting just because uh, the tactics reminds me of that. Oh yeah, the, the, this is the most political JRPG series I've ever played. Interesting. Yeah, it seems like I can only play Trails in the Sky on Steam, though. Like, I can't... It's not PS4, because it was a PS3 game, it seems. Uh, only in Japan. Yeah. yeah, you can play the Trails in the Sky on PC, no problem. There, there are rumors about it eventually coming to PS4 as a port, but who knows? Yeah. And part of the problem is they switched publishers midway through bringing this stuff over. Yeah. yeah. Also, we still haven't gotten Trails of Zero and Trails of Azure yet, either. Yeah. So... The good news is I think uh, stay tuned on that because yeah. they're doing working a remake on it apparently. Japan. Yeah. But the good news is that the PC versions of those games will run on potatoes. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they're also the best versions of the games. So. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, yeah, Pat, you have some picks before we wrap. Yeah. Um, in addition to you know, we've already talked about uh, Final Fantasy XIV and the Trail series. Um, Uniclear Undernight Inbirth is uh, on sale already. That kind of surprised me. Um, lots of great SNK fighters. Um, King of Fighters 14, the Fatal Fury and Samurai Showdown 5, or the Garo Mark of the Wolves and Samurai Showdown 5 Special that um, got the netcode updates are a part of this. And I also want to point out Romancing Saga 2 and 3. Because if you want some kind of a kind of a throwback to what produced um, to what produced Octopath Traveler, then I definitely recommend giving uh, giving the Romancing Saga games a try because you'll see a lot of similarities and a lot of ideas that originated there in in those games. So. Yeah, I have to. I have to point that out. All right. Uh, and Dan Reb, uh, before we wrap up, quick picks. Uh, yeah, uh, there wasn't anything that I grabbed mainly because um, I have most of these already. But I am considering getting Onanaki at twenty five dollars. Yeah. Uh, Onanaki is a action RPG made by Tokyo RPG Factory, who brought us I Am Setsuna and uh, Lost Fear. Granted, I didn't like those two games very much, but these are the games that I want Square making, so I'll buy it based on putting on my wallet. Um, there's also Catherine Full-Bodied. Uh, the reason why I didn't pick it up here was because I got it on a buy-to-get-one-free slot Target. But if you haven't played in, uh, Catherine, this is a great place to start. It's, it's kind of like Persona 5 where they added another character. Um, but yeah, this is a block-building game, uh, not really an RPG, but it's a good puzzler, and it has, for some reason, mature themes that are really out of out of the ordinary here. It, it's the Persona studio, so that's yeah. why. It, it's, it's just crazy, but it's, it's, it's a whole lot of fun, and you know, it, it's a game that you can take either... Uh, six hours on, or maybe even twenty if you're like that confused about how puzzle games work. But this is a game that I had a lot of fun with on the PS3, and um, 
the remake is, is, is even better. And then um, lastly, um, they're not games, but um, the Cowboy Bebop series is $7. Classic. But you watch shit on their PS4. And it's, it's, it's not part of a PSN sale or, any, or anything, but um, last week, uh, or I think it was two weeks ago, High Score Girls Season 2 showed up on Netflix, and that's a... Oh, shit, anime. it did? Yeah. And um, that, that, that's an anime about this guy who uh, is a really good Street Fighter player uh, who sort of falls in love with this girl who's an even better Street Fighter player, and they actually go into good detail about how the arcade uh, community was back then. And, yep. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the history value with gaming there is incredibly accurate and really good. And, um, yeah. Um, the, they showed the, their the, work. Actually, got Square Enix in trouble because um, one of the fighting game developers saw that they had some content they weren't supposed to have in there, and it led to a whole lot of like, weird stuff stuff in Japan. But here it's fine. Hmm. All right. Okay, so uh, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Unless anybody has anything else they want to add, uh, I'm good. Been going yeah, on. I was looking through this and saw there's some really good uh, rhythm games on sale. Okay. Uh, Taiko no drum session is fifteen bucks. Uh, which is really uh, a great game. Uh, it would be better if they had a drum controller over here, but uh, I think those are like 80 bucks at least. So uh, if you're that invested on it, you can definitely do that. But uh, for the 15 bucks, you get a lot of good songs in there. Even uh, the Japanese edition of Let It Go oh dear. Uh, is in here. So there's a lot of like weird stuff. Uh, the Pen Pineapple uh, Apple oh, Pen song is in there. Uh, just in case you need uh, to know what Japanese music is into right now. Fucking meme culture. Uh, <laughs> as well as uh, the Persona Dancing Endless Night Collection, which gets you uh, three rhythm games based on Persona 3's music, Persona 4's music, and Persona 5's music uh, for 22 bucks. Uh, it's all really good. And the, the weird thing is that the, the individual Persona 3 and 5 games are 20 bucks on sale. For just 2 bucks more, you get... Uh, Persona 4 Dancing All Night, which has an actual story that follows up on Persona 4's yep. uh, ending. And, is, and uh, buying the bundle is the only way to get it on the on the PS4. Yeah. And it's just all the all the great music, uh, some remixes of it as well, and it's kind of a fairly uh, simple system that is uh, just based on uh, three of the uh, D-pad buttons on the left side, uh, three of the face buttons on the right side, and you just kind of you can tune the difficulty up and down depending on how you uh, deal with it, but uh, they're really, really well done games. And I'm almost positive that ex Bamani staff was involved in this game because you can kind of tell with all of the like the terminology and some of the aesthetics that are used. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of it is straight out of DDR. Okay, so I guess we'll wrap it up there for the week. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us, Anthony. Uh, don't be a stranger. We'll, uh, we'll do yeah, this again. It was. Uh... We get to play and talk about some games. Oh, yeah. So if uh, you haven't subscribed to the show yet, you can do so at anchor.fm slash dayzeroupdate. Hit the link and uh, get the show delivered directly to your device of choice. Uh, You can also check us out at smashpad.com where we have our uh, written content there, uh, including Anthony's uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake review, which I highly recommend everybody read. Uh, Good stuff, and it kind of goes into some of the stuff that we didn't touch on uh, on the show today. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Uh, so for uh, Patrick Mifflin, Brandon Perkins, Chris Hologi, Dan Repertorio, and Anthony Perez, I've been Filippo Donolfo, and we will see you next week. <laughs>